Hello, hello, hello. We are Orte Dulce Desi, a podcast for brown women by brown women. This is your host, Geet. Welcome to season two of Orte. This season's episodes will be focused on topics that were submitted to us by you guys, the listeners. We've got some amazing guests and some really great topics lined up. I want to take a moment to thank all of those women who have taken the time out to come on the show to discuss some topics that at times have been difficult. We are honored that you are allowing us to share your story. In today's episode, we discuss the India-Pakistan partition through the Sindhi lens. Our guests for today's episodes are Sunena Paul and Bina Server. Sunena is the author of the book, Refugees in Their Own Country, a collection of poems about the partition based on conversations Sunena had with her chacha, her only connection to Sindh, the land of her forefathers. Bina Server, a renowned journalist and activist, is founder and curator of the South Asia Peace Action Network and can be found at www.southasiapeace.com. Bina was also editor of Amanki Asha, a joint initiative between Jung News Pakistan and Times of India to foster peace between the two countries. Amanki Asha is also how Bina and I met, which we will discuss during today's episode. The India-Pakistan partition is very close to my heart and is part of the story that I tell myself. And with that thought, let's start today's episode. In August 1947, when India finally won its independence from the British Raj after a struggle of almost 300 years, it left behind in its wake a nation divided into two states, Hindu-majority India and Muslim-majority Pakistan. Immediately, there began one of the greatest migrations in human history, and one that is the least discussed in the West. Growing up, it was a paragraph at best, grossly misrepresenting a monumental crux of the South Asian identity. Across the subcontinent, people who had coexisted for centuries attacked each other, Hindus and Sikhs on one side, and Muslims on the other. There are endless stories of families separated, women and children slaughtered, people pushed out of their homes, abandoned in refugee camps, with nowhere to go in an unknown land. My maternal grandmother lived through the partition and throughout her life shared stories with me about where she was born and her childhood home, in a faraway land known as Sindh. At the time, it sounded like some faraway place I would never visit. According to Nani's passport, she was born in 1921. At the time of partition, that would have made her approximately 25 years old. I say approximately because her birth records could never be found in Sindh. The Sindhi identity is perhaps the largest collateral damage of partition. Sindhis migrated to India to the Hindu Rashtra with no state to call their own. They left behind their beloved Sindhu Darya and were removed from it forever. Some will argue that this displacement proved fruitful. With no attachments to the new land, they were free to move around the world, which they did, and went about creating a new identity as successful business tycoons, spinning their fortunes from nothing. But did that leave them with a fractured identity? Is peace in South Asia possible? Is it time for a narrative change? Hello, Arte. Hello, Arte. Hello, Arte. Hello, Orte. Hello, Orte. What motivated you to document the Sindhi partition story in the way that you have? I, it was COVID. 
and midlife crisis combined. <laughs> I was watching this movie about Kashmiri Pandits and in the end of the movie, the guy, uh, he goes back to his ancestral home and that's where the movie ends and something just hit my heart and I was like, even if I want to and somehow I am able to go back to Sindh, how will I know where to go? My chacha passed away. My dad passed away. There's nobody left in my family who could, I mean, my grandparents were like long gone and who, who will tell me where to go? I don't even, it is recently that I came to know that I'm related to Bhagwanti Navani. Before that, I didn't even know that much about my own roots. And that, uh, at that time, obviously, I didn't know about the Bhagwanti Navani part, but I realized that I cannot go back. And I always thought that I would be able to go back one day. And I just wanted to see that home and, you know, play under the trees where my, uh, so my eldest chacha, my uh, dad's eldest brother, he used to stay with us and he used to take care of me. My mom and dad were both super busy trying to earn money and, you know, get back the status they they had told, they have known that Cindy's used to stay in. So he, he used to tell me stories about sin and he used to tell me that we'll go there one day. And I used to say, yes, we'll go there one day. And he passed away in 2018, I think. Yeah, 2018. And this was in 2020 when I was seeing this movie and I was like, wow, I can't go back. I don't know where to go. And the, the poem he told me came to me. Um, and something something changed. I don't know what it was or how it even started, but I just kept writing poems. I am a poet. I have been um, writing poems professionally since 2014. And before that, it was just, but it was never like professional. It was never thinking with an end in mind. Mm. It all happened after 2014. So when these poems came and they kept coming. It was like something in my heart, you know, it pierced and the blood kept seeping out and something kept, kept happening. Like I still cannot explain it, but mm. it happened. And that is how I uh, ended up with so many poems that I was like, where to publish, what to do with this that has come? Like, yeah. do I modify it to fit into some refugee book? Like, what, what do I do? And somehow, you know, my cousin keeps telling me, Didi, you should speak in Sindhi. Didi, you teach your kids Sindhi. And I was like, this generation, na, maybe it is ready to, to you know, uh, reconnect somewhere. If my cousin who is a Mumbai girl like me, if he's reconnecting, if he feels this urge, and if I am feeling this urge too, maybe there are more people who would be. And I researched, like, is there somebody publishing Sindhi poems or Sindhi stuff? And that is when Saz Agarwal's name came out. And I promptly sent her a mail. She promptly repli replied. And, you know, in less than a year, the book came out. It, it, it was very fluid, you know, like how Geet mentioned that you have come at the right time. This is the mm. third time I'm, someone's telling me that, you know, um, it's happening at the right time. And some, I think something is happening. And hence, that this book has come. I, that, that is how I personally see it. Like, if two years back, somebody would have told me that, Sunana, you would be doing this podcast on this, I would have laughed. Mm. I have tried to, you know, um, I, I 
don't remember who said this, but they said that they thought it was a compliment if someone looked at them and said, hey, you don't look like a Sindhi. And I, I, I have felt that too. Uh, all over my, all through my life, uh, you know, if someone's like, oh, so where are you from? I'm like, yes. And they are like Bengali and Tamilian and, uh, you know, Bengali, like, it goes crazy. And so, most of them end with North India. Uh, and I'm like, no, go further east. And that is when, uh, go further west. And that is when they are like, oh, okay, you're from Pakistan. Hmm. I'm like, you know, that's everyone's fa faced it at some point. Like still, even in staying in America and people are like, oh, you're from Pakistan. Because in India, nobody knows... Okay, Sintha, hardly anybody knows it. Huh, that's the, I, th I feel like that's one of the biggest strategies of the Sindhi identity, that we don't have a state in India. And that creates kind of like a, uh, I don't know, an orphan child almost. <laughs> I know. Uh, recently there was this Vandi Singh's uh, Sindhi uh, intro to Kiara Advani. I don't mm. know if you guys got a chance to see it. And that... Uh, was being made fun of. But people were like, at least usne Sindhi to boli. Kisi ko pata to chala Sindh ke baare mein. So I was like, yeah, okay, but the way he said it, it came out wrong. I, I personally didn't like it at all. Who is this? Ranveer Singh, the Bollywood actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the fact that he was doing the Sindhi accent. I saw that on like some show. Yes, yes, mm. yes. Um, Sunan, I had a quick question for you. So when you're writing your poetry and when you've written your poetry, has it been in Sindhi? Has it been in English? No, my, I, you know, this is one thing that I'm working upon. I'm not very fluent in Sindhi. So writing okay. is like, would be a very big, I, I told my mom, let's translate these poems in Sindhi. Mm -hmm. She said, Beta, tutse nahi hone wala. Tu <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are all in English. Now that you've written the book, do you feel like this was something that had been in the back of your mind all along and it just, it never, felt like... Never, never. That is what, two okay. years back, if you would have told me that this podcast was about this Sindhi book, I would have laughed, I swear. I have never thought of myself as like Sindhi in the sense that, you know, I should write something about Sindhi. All since 2014, I've been writing about nature or motherhood or relationships and, you know, uh, stuff like this, never about uh, being a, a, a second, third generation refugee or none of this has ever, um, you know, so basically, why, why does one, why does a writer write? It is when some things uh, change their equilibrium, Kuch to hoga na, that it will make you feel uh, either too happy or too sad. And that is when something mm. will come out. Mm. Something overwhelming that sort yes. of happens. Yeah, sure. So hence... For me, Sindh was like, okay, it was okay. It didn't uh, change me in any way. My motherhood changed me. My relationships have changed me. Friendships have changed me. But never this. This was when that movie uh, happened and it. I realized I can't go back. Something, mm. something has happened after that day. Yeah. Mm. And it's really interesting too that all of us identify with the partition and we identify with this specific ethnic tribe we are also part of in mm. Pakistan, right? Because it's like, oh, you know, like there is this uh, like deeper layer to the partition that we always mention, but we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. you know, the we deeper know I feel like it's the deeper layer to our identity and we negate partition. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
you know, mm. like we, we negate that all of that experience and losses today. And we talk about an identity that almost no longer exists. It's not really a part of our reality anymore. Like if I say Cindy, people still, you know, similar, very similar. We were talking about this. Okay. Growing up for me was like, I, I grew up as a, as a, as an American. And the first person that I would ever talk to would, would ask me, um, was we're, we're Indians, right? And the Indians would ask me like, so where in India are you from? And then it's like, oh, I'm from Bombay. Then the identity becomes, oh, are you more Maharashtrian? No. Okay, so then where are you from? And I'm like, uh, Bombay. And then when they push further, then it eventually I'm like, well, my forefathers are from Sindh. Oh, so you're Pakistani. No, I'm not Pakistani. There you go. <laughs> you know, but that's what it comes down to. And so there is that we all feel like refugees in our own country. We all feel like orphan children in our own country, even though we're Indian. Are we Indian? Because we don't have a state to like identify with. And there is some sort of a disconnect because everybody that you go and visit in India, other than your immediate family members, everyone kind of looks at you like, uh, so where are you from? You know, so I totally recognize that. I, I recognize that. I recognize that that part of our identity. Um, so Sunena, in, in more in more um, reflection or introspection, because we um, all of us, I guess, at some point, once we're over the hump of doing something big and creative the way that you did and embarking on this adventure, we don't really know what the end result is going to be until some time has passed. So and I'm still learning a lot of my end results of like the experiences that I've had. So what are some things that you feel you have learned from the deep dive into yourself and your Sindhi identity? You know, I was very surprised to know, though it is not a shock, but it, it was a surprise to know that people didn't actually migrate in 1947. Like immediately when, when the whole thing was happening, it was very calm in Sindh at that time because it was told that Hindus would stay here. Uh, wherever Hindus are, they'll stay there. And wherever Muslims are, they'll stay there. There's no mm. need for anything. It is, and it seems, uh, I, I may be wrong, I'm not a historian, I've just read stuff and I know stuff, so I haven't really researched this, but um, I've been told that 6th December is when the actual riots happened and they, before that it was very minor here and there, but it wasn't like what happened on 6th of December and after that people migrated and uh, the bloodshed, though it was there, it was pretty less compared to the rest of the refugees so this something uh the bloodshed of sindhis you're talking about like the bloodshed in sindh yes is, is that what you're referring to yes. versus on the other i've heard the, i've heard and read the same thing yes uh but i i really didn't know that before this book i i had no idea i just assumed it was the same it was the same madness everywhere but i'm, I'm so happy to read that it was less and it was delayed because they really thought they could stay there and it is only when, you know, uh, people from this side went to that side and they realized that, hey, hello, we need houses, go. And that is when things happened. Yeah. So, so that's one thing that you realize that it was a lot more peaceful than you've been taught or learned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, were there any other things that you think? You know, like every other culture, Sindh also has its own beautiful culture, but it is mm -hmm. so lost. I, I know this is not a new thing. Uh, anybody who knows little bit also, uh, you know, I, I'm like a two-year-old when it mm -hmm. comes to Sindhi culture. 
<laughs> so, so even if somebody knows little bit, they know about the Jhumir, they know about Chhaja, you know. And if people who have stayed in uh, Sindhi communities like Ulhasnagar or Thane, like my cousins, they know everything. They they've not felt like uh, they are not a Sindhi, and for them it's normal because they've grown up with people around them who are Sindhis, and everything was pretty normal for them. But for me, everything was like new. What, what is the two things that you mentioned? Jumit and Chaja, what are they? Jumit is a dance and Chaja is also a dance. Uh, uh, I think Chaja is done mostly by men, if I'm not wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember these minute things, but yeah, it's something like that. So, And there are many, many things like Ajrak. I didn't know Ajrak, the block painting was made in Sindh. I've always loved Ajrak. I, I had no idea it is made in Sindh. I'm like, I, no wonder. Okay, there is some, so, you know, like... Um, my cousin's dad passed away when that cousin was like two or three years old. And, uh, you know, I see him like maybe once in three, four years. So when I saw him last time, he was sitting just the way his dad used to sit. And he's extremely smart, which is okay, which I, but how did he know at two years of age, how, do, how did his dad sit? And he sat exactly like that. So there is some connection, right? So similarly, I I, I never realized I was connected to sin. I, I like, I've, I like that, uh, uh, that stamped paintings and uh, uh, dupattas. I love cotton dupattas. And I didn't know Ajrak was Sindh at all. I, I've been looking for it, but I didn't realize it was Sindh. And then later I realized, it was Sindh. Oh, no wonder. So many, mm. many small, small things that... Uh, and the culture, yeah. So like, I really wish there was some part of Sindh that was... that could have or can still maybe... Uh, something can happen and if somehow that culture could sustain but you know there's a pessim pessimistic side of me who says but who's going to go and stay there now you know nobody's going to leave their house and stay there will it actually work out i i don't know all this i, I like if somebody will ask me will you go and stay there i'm like no i cannot leave my family just for this right I, i'm not going to do that but if it could happen if the culture could sustain it it i would feel nice <laughs> but I think you guys, you know, there is sustenance going on in terms of the people, um, even though that they may not be in Sindh anymore. You, you and Geet, so you know, right. But the fact that you and Geet are here and you are exploring your Sindhi identity, you too are carrying that forward, right? Like you may not be able to go live in the country or live in the area, but you can Sin still lives in you. <laughs> it does. As yeah. cheesy as that sounds. Even, and you know, the funny thing is, even if you don't accept it, or like I know people who are like, hey, don't, don't, I don't, like I'll tell my friends or someone, can you please forward my poems? Please put it on your stories on Insta. They're like, hey, please, I don't want to identify myself as a Sindhi. I'm like, dude. So, but even though they are not, they still are, right? It, it won't change. So uh, yeah. I think that's also a little bit our fault. Um, and by, by our fault, I don't mean you and me personally. I think it's our <laughs> um, us as Cindy's. I think it's Cindy's fault, too. We got so busy in survival mode yes. um, that we live, let the culture kind of slip through the fingers. The loss and the trauma that resulted from partition, which is something that again, we have not talked about. I mean, Amna and I and Sammy were talking about this just recently where we were like, what do how much trauma and i'm talking about like as a group how much trauma have we gone through as as a as a people on both indian and pakistani sides because as a result of partition i mean we talk about we've started talking about now health and like obesity and 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 um uh diabetes uh, as a result of the famine 
that we faced and how that impacts our overall health generations later. My, the same question I have that, that how does it impact us as far as psychological trauma? Because we all know that it changes your baseline um, biochemistry, right? But we've always, you know, so this is a very big um, thing that I that I like to focus on. And I think that it has a lot to do with us um, letting it slip through our fingers or feeling pressured by, you know, being called spy or being called whatever. Oh, yeah. and, and we kind of just let that identity go and try to assimilate more into wherever it is that we're living. Like a lot of my cousins and friends and family refuse to speak the language because they're like, well, what's the purpose? I mean, I need to assimilate. You know, I live in America, like who cares if I'm speaking Sindhi or not? Like, what is that going to do for me? So I think it's partially a, in a fault of ours, too. So we're going to now turn over to Bina, who is who I met through Amanki Asha. And um, we're just going to jump right into the first question that we have. Um, so, be before you do that, can I just sure. uh, respond sure. to a couple of things that Sunena said that touched, touched me? Because what Sunena said about um, not having the land, you know, I have felt that as somebody who's from the other side, as somebody whose family come, came from Pratabgarh and Allahabad and Mandiri and uh, those kind of places to, in, in, to Karachi and Lahore. And, as, and, and I was labeled, and our families, we are labeled as Mohajirs. And... Um, I think I realized, I think sometime when I moved to Lahore in the 80s, I realized how important land is, where your ancestors are from. Um, because in because in Karachi, it's this big melting pot, I guess, like New York. So nobody asks where you're from, kind of. But in Lahore, everybody asks where you're from. And and everybody wants to know where, what your background is and all that. And, and you know, like that kind of thing. And that is when I think I realized, you know, like the, the, the that I don't have a land, you know, um, that and when I went to Allahabad for the first time and I and I, uh, you know, I, I feel your pain that, you know, about not being able to go back soon and I not being able, you know, it's, it's not even like back because you've never been there. But 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 it, it feels like coming home. It feels like a come. When I went to Allahabad as an adult and they 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 had a gathering of that at a school where they showed some of my films and this grand old man of Allahabad as he was called and his name was Ziaul Haq and he said no but I came before that Ziaul Haq uh, because he was older than that military dictator so we called him Munnan Chacha old family friend and his family never left for Pakistan I mean he his whole family went but he didn't go and and he introduced me as Allahabad ki beti at that gathering and I felt choked up, you know. And when I saw the area, I, it was so important for me to go see my father's village, my grandmother's village, the, uh, the you know, the Ganga Jamna. Where the, I mean, just, this, just that whole area, the, 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 the guava, the amrud over there, the gendeke pool over there, like everything, uh, the, the college that my father and his brother went to, things like that. So... So there's something about the past and and my father's friend Eric Rahim, he's an economist now in Glasgow and he said that you have to look back in order to look forward. You have to look looking so like you have to that's why that's why the book that I've been writing I haven't been able to finish it because I've been looking back because it's supposed to be about contemporary Pakistan from my view but I like I can't do this now without 
going digging into the past and seeing where they came from and and what you said about the um that they uh, the, the partition it wasn't like a clean like okay now it's partition and it's a, it was a gradual partition like my fa- mother's family came in the late 50s my father came in 48 my his family came in 49 i mean there was it was beyond beyond that immediate few, few months of bloodletting at the borders there was a lot of movement after that so i just wanted to say that i you know like um i resonate with that and i think that that is also very true that you know what what sammy said that you know it's you you are taking the culture you take it forward and and i i and i'm so so it's so sweet that you didn't know about ajrak because that's so much part of our culture and you know i'm not a sindhi by birth like i'm a sindhi by birth but not by ethnicity but i identified i have so many ajrak and this yeah. time when i went Same. to the press club <laughs> this time when i went to the press club in karachi this Same journalist here. who sindhi came and met me and he ceremoniously presented me an ajrak and that's what people do when you go like they they ceremoniously present ajraks yep that was the first time that i had ceremoniously been presented with an ajrak <laughs> i suddenly <laughs> felt really spoiled that i grew up with ajraks Yeah. in my house and yeah. buying them all the time. Why did Honestly, you not like I why, actually why was, like there's yeah. a part of me that I felt very privileged that Sunana yeah. you were never able to experience that and here I was just because my family's from Karachi I had exposure to that. Oh. But I'm not Sindhi, right? So like and I think Bina oh. I relate to you on that same level where our family you know came we were Mahajirs as well. Sindhi. I just kind of assumed that that I didn't even know where you're from. Okay. <laughs> So the um to add to Sanana's story and disconnect with the Ajrak and the Sindhi identity and all of that and and I now having been on both sides I came across the Ajrak for the first time when I met a Sindhi Pakistani in my life for the first time which was in high school I was mm. a senior in high school I met a Sindhi Pakistani which to me was a phenomena and mm. he comes up to me and he says I'm I'm Sindhi and I said oh, dude your your language doesn't sound Sindhi like what are you speaking right now it sounded so foreign because we speak a different Sindhi than they do in Sindh so and he was like no I am I'm from actual Sindh and then as I got to know him one day he said I think like within the first day or two he said to me so oh he came to college to celebrate his Sindhi identity so he wore a topi and he's like so what do you think and I'm looking at him like you look like an idiot <laughs> Like what are you wearing? This is New York. And he says to me, "Are you kidding me?" He he looked at me like I just insulted the hell out of him. He's like, "What is wrong with you? This is a Sindhi topi." And I'm like, "I don't know what that means." I'm so sorry. he hadn't been born there. That 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 boy, he had come from Pakistan. Yeah, he was he was v- brand new. brand new he would only been in the country maybe a couple of months when i met him okay so he was he was very much sindhi pakistani right so and he's wearing the topi and he was very offended ke like ye kya tumne keh diya and i i'm looking at him like a guy i don't get it and he's like this is the sindhi identity how can you not use calling yourself a sindhi you should be ashamed of yourself mm-hmm. and then because i explained to him i was like i'm first of all was born in india secondly i'm raised in america this completely is not a part of my identity Not only that, I don't even understand the Sindhi that you're speaking. So how about that? Like this is our disconnect right now. So he he looks at me and and he's like, "All right, well, I have I have a gift for you then." So the next day, he brings me my very own adrak and topi, okay? And hands it to me, and then I put that up, and as soon as he handed it to me because I had similar to Sanana, not ever seen an adrak before. As soon as he hands it to me, I felt like I had gold in my hand. And I couldn't understand why this was meaning so much. I'm just looking at it and I'm like, Okay, it's nice, but it's not that nice. Why do you feel so special to hold this? So then I went and I put it on my wall. Never wore the thing. I put it on my wall, mm-hmm. and I hung it up like those things that you get in Goa, 
with that like you know that bead work and all of that wall hanging uh, yeah the wall hanging so i hung it up on my wall and it stayed there for years and everybody who would come in would be like how did you get that like if they knew what it was they'd be like how do you have that and then i would have to explain to them like my run-in with this pakistani cindy which by the way the friendship didn't last very long but he did leave me a part of my identity which was hmm. very interesting but yeah and then when i came to pakistan i realized really how much a part of the identity it is like every Sindhi wears a ajrak and a topi with pride women wear like salwar kameez made out of ajrak with pride and it's like oh my god mm. this is my like honor <laughs> so, you know i don't know where to buy it in the us though oh don't you worry can... i can send you no, all you of can yeah, yeah well, we'll, you have four people here that can share <laughs> yeah, that with we'll you we'll bring you ajrak we're going oh, to cool. send thank you <laughs> and as we're talking about this i would love to hear from bina too um Bina, what sort of has been your motivation? So, Amin Kiyasha, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how does the partition play a role in your life? Yeah, so, well, I, as I just mentioned, because I grew up in a family that had come from India, we I grew up in this big old house, which still comes in my dreams. And I knew, I mean, this was part of our consciousness growing up, that these houses that, we were, that were allotted to my fa- father's family that this house was built by Hindus who moved, that these three houses were built by Hindus who had moved to India. I grew up with this consciousness. And my family, unlike a lot of people who carry that hatred and pass it on to their children, my family never had that. And my family was a very open-minded liberal family. And my grandmother was Purbi speaking. My dadi was Purbi speaking. So like Geet's dadi spoke Sindhi, my daddy spoke Purbi. I mean, I don't speak Purbi, but I, you know, I grew up with, you know, like understanding that, that Leja, that, you know, the way that she spoke, my daddy. And, um, I, and gradually realizing that, that, that transition that had happened before partition of my grandparents being originally rural people who had come into the city there and then their children my parents my parents and had gone to college school college and you know there, there had been this massive change you know this at the speed of lightning you know they had seen electricity come in they had seen the telephone come in they had seen and 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 uh, my mother uh because she had been 15 she was 15 when she moved when her family came uh, to lahore from pratapgarh so she actually didn't even speak or uh, read Urdu because when they were given the choice and school whether to learn Hindi or Urdu, she chose Hindi because she said it was easier. And so she, so she didn't read or write Urdu, but of course she taught herself very fast. And she used to speak just se bolte in logo ke hum, humne ye kiya, humne wo kiya for yourself, first person plural. So this was not the royal. So we at one time we used to think this is like oh very arrogant. This is the royal we hum hum hum. But mm. actually, it's not the royal we, it's the humble we. It's like you don't want to put yourself first. So one poem that she taught, that she told us, she said uh, that, um, what is it? Bakri jo mena jo mena kare, bakri jo meme kare, khal apni khichwaye, mena jo mena kare, nit nit churi khaye. The goat that goes me, 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 will get its skin pulled. And the mena that doesn't say me, me na kare, will get delicious food to eat because that mm. mena is not being arrogant and saying me, me. So it's not mena is me na kare. 
so um so we and then and then in the 90s you know 80s 90s there was this whole thing about muhajir that and it became a bad word and like we were, we felt like we were imposters we felt like we were you know uh, but but the thing is my family never went bought into muhajir politics um like i said there were progressive people and they never uh, bought into ethnic politics so while there were people that we knew who were like very much into that ethnic politics my family wasn't so my mother as we were children when we were children she took us to india a couple of times um and i remember we traveled by train i remember it was very cold because we didn't have that kind of cold in karachi um we 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 went and stayed with her family we met all kinds of you know relatives and you know as children it was all like you know you don't really think about it much but it somehow kahin na kahin dhas jata hai aapke andar wo and it comes back later you 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 know it you feel it um and so as an adult when i went to india for the first time um, when i was living in lahore and i lived in lahore in a place called lakshmi mansion ironically also that had been built that was a part of um it was part of the lakshmi insurance trust right on regal chowk in lahore and that's the building one, one of those apartments was where manto the writer had had uh, lived so i lived in lakshmi mansion in lahore for about 10 11 years and uh, so I, i was living there when i went to india uh, in the early 90s as an adult for the first time and then i went again as an adult when in 1995 the pipfpd was formed soon after that visit of mine to india so in 1993 or 94 sorry the P- pakistan india people's forum for peace and democracy was formed and uh, dr mubashir hassan and asma jahangir invited me to you know be part of it and i was this young journalist in lahore and i, I was you know like very happy to go and you know connect and you know talk to people there and um and every time i went i you know take the overnight train to alabad but i i do want to say that the last time i went to india in 2013 i took the overnight train to alabad i was scared to say i was pakistani i was i was nervous to say that i was pakistani on that train traveling alone but mm. uh, it was fine but um yeah so that was my so i've had this long association with india pakistan peace building you know at a personal level and then you know the, the pip fpd and then 10 years after pip fpd a little bit more than no almost 20 years 19 2010 aman ki aasha was launched so 50 15 years or something after pip fpd aman ki aasha was launched so when they launched it times of india and jung group um i was freelancing in karachi at the time and i heard that they're doing something with india and pakistan i was like you know hey how come they're not you know in get it calling me to join it and you know to do something with it so i i i said hey what's going on i called up uh, sharukh who who was heading it and he was like are you where are you come here coffee pee talk karte hain and then i went and talked to him and he was like yes we are doing this and he was very excited we're doing this project and this is a never nobody's ever done this before this is really amazing and you must get involved and why don't you come and you run it from here so i was like you know i was never thought you'd ask i'm there you know i was you know like yes what do you think i'm here for so i joined and um, we 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 brought out um, and and this was the first time and this aman ki aasha what it did was it made peace it it mainstreamed peace it made it okay for people to say i want peace between india and pakistan which until then was only yeah. between activist intellectual circles 
suddenly it became you know when the times of india put up billboards in bombay saying love your neighbor okay huge billboards with like doves flying and you know like pakistan mm-hmm. and all it was like you know people's heads light switches turned on and and there's a whole new cape of young people coming up at that time you know social media had just started coming up 2010 okay 12 years ago the social media was coming up facebook was coming up and suddenly there were like i don't know how many aman ki aasha ke naam ke groups on facebook and mm-hmm. pages so i went i can i approached them and um, i said you know this is a brand name you can't use it and you know if you want to use it you know i would be happy to have you on like but the one that's there now uh, so the guy who started it he made me an admin as well that's the only one that's uh, so it's aman ki aasha on facebook and uh, and i i created the facebook page and uh, the twitter handle so basically i run those myself but the website um, the jung group and the uh, times of india still run and i well it's there and um, it in the in the first few years it was very there was a lot of you know like cons- joint concerts literary events mushairas um, you know amitabh bachan reciting poetry gulzar reciting poetry that beautiful song that rahat fateh ali and shankar mahadevan recorded nazar mein rehte ho jab tum nazar nahi aate yeah um and uh, you know people it 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 was suddenly it was it became like and that's how i connected to so many people i'm still connected to who are, who were not part of the intellectual you know um liberal thing but just ordinary people you know like uh, uh, geet and <laughs> samir who's an entre- entrepreneur ruchita who's a you know business woman and you know so many other people who were not part of that not elite i wouldn't say elite circle because it wasn't elite they were very down to earth people but they into, like it's, it's a different circle and zaman so ki aashiqa kind of came you know um as part of all that it's part of it's part of a process and uh, what we are doing now south asia peace action network takes that further by say, by making it regional like it's you can't uh, like we can't just keep butting heads india pakistan india pakistan you have to do it on a regional level and 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 you know serena has been about you know not being able to visit so so the, you know and 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 geet when you were there doing the flood relief in 2010 and you know kitni mushkilon se visa mile the to you know your extension your visa extensions how many strings we had to pull how many yeah. hoops we had to run through to stay on and do humanitarian work yeah. so we are saying there should be a visa free south asia where you allow where the governments um you know let people meet and like in sark like the 2012 agreement the visa agreement that they that they had um so there were so people can meet travel trade you know visit the ancestral homes why is there this kind of you know barbed wire why does ganpat singh have to apply for a visa from tharparkar the soda hind the rajput soda community in pakistan um they they uh, because their marriage is all across the border that's the only rajput community in pakistan so they have to marry across the border it is impossible how do they how do they take it forward it's uh, you know he he applied for a visa eight times before he finally got it you know and his mm. story is on the website on the southasiapeace.com website in the sapan news network tab um you know but uh, like it's really we, we need to we need to do something to put pressure on and and uh, people who want to you know like join this uh, campaign for to ease visas it's on change.org/milne do m i l n e d o 
uh, if you go to change.org slash milne do. Um, so we started this campaign through Aman Kiyasha, but now we're taking forward through South Asia Peace, through Sapan. And it's got like 36,000 signatures, but I think we can get millions, actually, if we really like put our heads to it. Because mm. people want to meet and the young generation does not want this bullshit. You know, Asma Jahangir once said that if you open the borders, there'd be a flood on both sides yeah. of people wanting to go, like the last scene of uh, that uh, film. Bajrangi Bhaijan. Bajrangi, ba- Bajrangi yeah. Bhaijan. Like, like Bajrangi Bhaijan, the last scene. That is the scene that Asma Jahangir had talked about before Bajrangi Bhaijan was made. Hmm. So, Bina, I'm bringing together, and not to cut you short, obviously, like I said, I know that you have a plethora of stuff that you can talk about, but... Um, just to keep us moving ahead, having spoken to so many people on either side through Aman Kiyasha, what are some common denominators that you think? Common denominators? The common denominators are um, that people are human beings, that they are human beings on both sides, that people who say, that the people, the people who finger point and say, oh, you do this and you do that and why should we do this for you and why should we... There are those, but then the common denominator is humanity. Like, Geet, you, you and Amna are going to Pakistan to help with the floods. You know, Samir has taken up a collection and people are donating to him and they want... If people... you know, you know, Do you know why on, on, on SouthAsiaPeace.com, if you go to the resolution section, there's one about, um, you know, South Asian solidarity for Pakistan's floods. The reason we made that statement and we linked on it, we linked a document in which we've listed a whole list, uh, a bunch of uh, organizations that we know who are doing good work, including yours, including LifeBridge. Right, yeah. The reason we compiled that document and put those links there was to help our friends in India who've been wanting to donate to Pakistan and don't know how. They don't know where to go. You know, every single Indian friend that I've been speaking to has been saying, how can I help? What can I do? And and, and we can't. they can't send money directly to Pakistan. So we made this document in which we linked we listed a whole bunch of um, you know organizations that they can people can donate to that is not directly to pakistan it's such it's so ridiculous yeah and to kind of conclude the entire conversation um, we're going to pose a question generally to all of us and then turn by turn we're going to answer it um, sammy i'm going to start with you how has the partition narrative impacted your life um i think majority of my life growing up in the U.S., so obviously the partition was something that was a little further away from me. Um, and also I was grateful that I had a little bit of time with my grandmother and um, my, my parents and just hearing stories from them. <clears throat> I think that was always part of our everyday normal conversations of what life was like back in India before the partition. Um, I know, for example, like my daddy's side, they used to live in Hyderabad and they used to live in a very mixed community where Sunni Muslims and Shia Muslims and Hindus, like everyone sort of lived very closely together. Um, And same thing with my mom's side. And so it's just, for me, I think that partition now for me means I no longer identify when someone asks me where are you from? I don't really say Pakistan. I say I'm from Pakistan and India because I just cannot separate myself from my ancestry anymore. Um, And I think another added layer to that is I got my personal DNA test on and it's like all (laughs) North India and South India. So I'm like, 
लिसन पाकिस्तान कुछ था नहीं उस वक्त राइट सो लाइक अगर हम पॉलिटिक्स अपने दिमाग से निकाल दें थोड़ी देर के लिए एंड लाइक जस्ट फॉरगेट के a bunch of men sat down and decided what was going to happen to the fate of this like entire swath of land that just was india for years and generations i like i cannot separate myself from india and i think just learning about the partition over the years and understanding the dynamics of what it meant to be a muhajir who had to leave their home behind in pakistan lose everything which happened to both my my dad and my mom's side of the family they lost basically everything india, came to karachi with nothing excuse me india you mean lost everything in india not yeah. pakistan yeah um sorry ha huh? lost everything in india came to pakistan with basically nothing um and to rebuild life i mean and then like from there it's from like the 50s to then moving to the us in like the late 80s i was joking with my parents i was like we've been like immigrants for life i mean think about it you guys were immigrants then you guys didn't even like live in pakistan we lived in dubai we lived in us like we literally never actually lived in pakistan where for the longest period of time and i think we've been immigrants the whole time and yeah. and i think that even just hearing about the discrimination that they faced by being muhajirs and being refugees that came from india to pakistan was really heartbreaking because i actually had never I'd never realized that that was even going on. I thought it was just oh, acha Pakistan hai, sare musliman wahi ja rahe the, which obviously wasn't the case anyway. Um, but the sort of this romanticized version of the partition that you're told, acha ha, everyone was like just splitting ways and sab idhar ja rahe the, and it's like no, it's not really like that. It wasn't that simple. Um, and I know like even my parents faced discrimination in Karachi. Like talk about being a refugee in your own country. Like you are literally quick era ke ha aajo yahan sare musalman hai and then you go there and you're like shit out of luck because nobody is actually accepting you for even being there um so it's just it's fascinating and so i wear that immigrant for life badge very proudly <laughs> um but yeah what about you amna my family is my mom's from multan and my dad's from a village in shahpura but um my nana was a bureaucrat so my mom um as a teenager lived in delhi and then my dad was in indian commission service so he was in um they they talked about my mom and dad after they got married lived in lucknow shimla and my mom talked about that so it was part of my life it's like and my family like bina's family is very progressive and there was no we were never told um anything but it was in the air you know i i grew up in 60s uh, and then it was just like on tv there is stories about partition there is animosity and then in 1971 war i mean you know there was a whole thing about trash india and the all these stories and and then when in school i never thought of um like people's ethnicity even though lahore's pretty pretty homogenous but you know i remember like somebody uh, i heard somebody talk about somebody who are refugee family and urdu speaking so they were always given derogatory names you pray um and it was a lot more in lahore i don't know how it was in karachi it's like you play hindustani i really i was probably 9 or 10 years old when somebody said oh wo to hindustani hai. 
And so I asked my mom and dad, I said, but these are the, all the terms you grew up with. And uh, they were not even in Punjab. They were not even called Mohajir. They were called Upre, Hindustani, and Tilliar, many other things. Tilliar, Tone. Tilliar, yeah. Tone, Hindustani. Yeah, Tone, yeah. Tone. So it, it's just so sad. And then... You know, and I was, you were talking about Ajurak. I think I was 10 years old. I think I was Sindhi in my past life because I was 10 years old and we went to Karachi and I fell in love with Ajurak. <laughs> and I was like, I used to like hound my mom. I want Ajurak. I want Ajurak. <laughs> I was a weird child. <laughs> and Jhumar, you were saying Jhumar. Jhumar is Saraiki dance too. Oh. And then I, then I did Atun with my friends. I, it's a, a Pashtun dance. Atan is a lot like Jhumar. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think the hate mongers and the governments and the establishment, they have created hate among us. When I came to America, I was in my early, early 20s. And I thought that, you know, people used to ask me, are you um, in residency? Somebody attending would ask me and say, uh, you're Pakistani. I wanted you to meet this guy, but... He's Indian. And I would say, why can't I meet this guy or this woman? And they're like, oh, aren't the countries at war? I'm like, I live in America. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather go to their house and eat chapati. <laughs> or on Thanksgiving, eat, you know, go to a Punjabi's house and eat masale wala turkey. Then, <laughs> So it was a, I just never thought of this and I really think the narrative comes from the governments or the establishment or whoever they are they want to put the hate in us so we don't love each other when we really are the same so we don't realize our potential yeah we don't realize our potential for peace yeah like we would be so much better if we could go everywhere when I went to um, uh, India for a conference my mom um, had longed for going to India in uh, since partition. And I said, Ami, I'll take you um, to uh, Delhi. And Ami didn't have a, Ami had to get us, Ami was, uh, had a Pakistani passport. So Ami had to get a separate visa for each city. And it just became such a hassle. And, you know, you go to another uh, hotel. I was with my American colleagues and they say, Who's Pakistani here? They can't stay in this hotel because this hotel is in, it was in Agra. This hotel is in cantonment. And it's like, and they said, you can stay, but your mom can't. <laughs> and you don't think about it. So, but yeah. Anna, I, that's what happened, Abhi, with uh, this 90-year-old woman, Reena Verma, when she went to Pindi to, to stay. They said, you don't have a visa to stay in, uh, in Islamabad. Her, she was booked for a hotel in Islamabad. They said, you can't stay there. And then Pindi, the host, that she, the person who was going to have her stay there, lived in a contournment. They said, you can't. 90-year-old woman, yeah, for God's sake. They yeah, my mom was in her late 70s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then later, my mom and I went and stayed in another hotel. Uh, and then later on, my colleagues who were staying in um, their rooms, they said, oh, the manager and the police came to our rooms and um, were made the excuse that, oh, there was some break-in. So they were, they were checking for my mom. <laughs> 
And then from then on, they start all started. They all called my mom a me because I called her a me, and they all started calling her a me the terrorist. <laughs> so ridiculous. I know. So that's my thing about it. What about you, Geet? My um, partition narrative. So I grew up in a uh, very, very anti-Pakistan, anti-Muslim home. Um, which is, I guess, not too far from the truth for a lot of us, right? And I heard all sorts of slangy talk about Pakistanis and Muslims in general. And um, I was jaded by that. You know, I, I obviously, because I'm growing up in that environment, I'm thinking the same things, like there must be some truth to this stuff. And then we were, you know, it was always reinforced with stories of loss, great loss and being kicked out and losing all of your identity and whatever. Inter intertwined into the partition story, right? Like, oh, we had to leave with nothing, with the shirts on our backs, and then we had to go in the struggle and start from scratch. And similar to Sammy, I realized a little while ago that since partition, we've basically been immigrants. My grandparents weren't born in India, they migrated. My parents were the only generation ever born, born in India, and then now in America, we're the first now on the second generation. So we have a generation that was born in America and then they're, ha they're having kids. So it's now the second generation. So this is the first place that we're actually being able to call home, which is so far from home and so removed. And it wasn't until I went to Pakistan in 2010 myself, when I went to the land of Sindh, that I realized how much language makes you feel at home. Just the fact that you're able to speak the same language to someone that you know. I didn't know this woman from Joe. She was a poor, old, elderly woman, and she was talking to somebody who couldn't communicate to her in Sindhi. And suddenly they reach out to me and they're like, can't you communicate in Sindhi? Why don't you tell her what I'm trying to say? And this was a Pakistani national. So it was like living in Pakistan couldn't communicate with each other and me, this American born, whatever, whatever, coming to Sindh to speak in Sindhi. It was just so bizarre, the experience, like how much, how connected we can feel from language. And then slowly how that place became home and how the very first time somebody referred to me as Sindhi Jidiya, the daughter of Sindh. And I was like, that is so bizarre. You know, I had to come all the way here to be called the daughter of Sindh, you know? So, <clears throat> and it makes you feel so like, I guess this is more identity than anywhere else I've felt. Because in America, I was always called a Hindu dot. In India, I was called a, a Pakistani, <laughs> you know? Like, in America, I was like confused. Why are you doing all of this stuff? And I was like, well, I don't know the answer to this. But then slowly we start to realize how Growing up, we, we used to practice Sikhism, so, some weird version of Sikhism, which we, we didn't wear the pagri, but we used to bow to the um, Guru Granth Sahib. We had that in our temples, and people would tell us that we were wrong for doing that because we're not Sikh. I go to Sindh and I find out that Sindhi has a whole caste of Nankis who actually practice Sikhism. And it wasn't until I went to Sindh to realize that. The intertwining of our religion, the practice of Hinduism of Sindhis is very different from the practice of Hinduism otherwise. Like for example, on our Julal al which is not a Hindu god, 
Jule Lal is a Sindhi god purely. We sing Lal Jule Lal Jule Lal Jule Lal, right? And we sing Damad Damath Kalandar. Damad Damath Kalandar celebrates Sevan Ja, Sindriya Ja, Sakisha Baz Kalandar. Who is that? How many Sindhis have actually questioned who that is? Because that's Lal Shabaz Kalandar from Sevan, who is a Muslim, and we're celebrating him in a Hindu temple. Every month, multiple times a month. This is the Sindhi identity, right? So these little, little things are the way that I was impacted by partition. And it was after my experience living in Sindh and in Pakistan for the two and a half years that I did, that I recognized how fractured we are, how far removed. And um, I feel like I was privileged enough, fortunate enough to meet all these wonderful people that you're, you are all here right now, amongst a few of them and many, many, many more through the work that I did. And um, it's amazing to have the two of you here today. It really is. Because it brings together, I believe, the partitions, um, the unfortunate fracture that partition created and the potential that we have if we were to get over this stuff. Just people to people contact. Let the governments do what they're doing, but at least we can have this conversation. At least we can have this dialogue. I think what's really nice is, Bina, what you shared, that is such a huge narrative change just that was driven from meet your neighbor. Um, I, I see a very similar, I suddenly saw a similar thread to when, you know, gay marriage was legalized here in the U.S. That was a huge narrative change because it suddenly wasn't, it wasn't about, are you with a man? Are you with a woman? It was about love. And so it's really fascinating to see that such a huge narrative change can actually really change the momentum of of that movement as well. Um, and I'm just kudos to both of you, to you, Bina, and to you, Sinana, for just doing the work that you do. Um, all of us sort of reflect on our partition in, in our own ways. And yeah. I think you two have beautifully identified two different ways that we can also address and look at the partition by with activism, with, you know, sort of the writing, um, poetry. Amna, you are a very great poet as well among us. Thank you. <laughs> um, but just the fact that we all, it's really fascinating to be here and see the different sides of the partition and the ways we've been able to like sort of digest and then also go, okay, what do I do about this now? <laughs> And just just to bring this up, and I know it's a complete aside, and you guys might get mad at me for bringing this up, but I know one person who's going to totally support me on this. I was so happy to see Miss Marvel. Yeah, yes. same. same. I was so same. happy because same. I feel like Miss Marvel is is something. The partition story is completely underrepresented. I mean, we it's considered the biggest mass migration, and yet we don't have movies about it. We don't have these phenomenal books sagas talking about it. We barely have TV shows about it. Maybe one token Dastan drama from Pakistan and maybe one token Hindi movie somewhere, right? And um, it was wonderful in modern day today, being able to see and having something like that that children can relate to that talks about the partition in such a beautiful way that they, a lot of people were upset by it because of the way that they say the partition was depicted by the grandmother. But um, I have been... I was super impressed by it. Bina, you're saying that there were some amazing novels and stories. You can share that now if you want to. Oh, no, there, there's just been uh, like um, that. Uh, I think uh, I forget the name of that amazing. There, there have been some amazing, but but you're right. Miss Marvel 
is the is, there's been a big gap in that time between the time we had those like you know the manto stories are all you know around that time yeah um Kuratul, Kuratul, Kuratul and, and Heather. Yes, Kuratul and Heather and that amazing Garam Hava. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, um, and then um, there've just been a, a lot of, there's been a lot of uh, wonderful literature around partition, but that is really as you're part of an older, much older generation. So this, as you said, Geet really brings it. And by the way, Miss Ma, uh, but uh, Samina Ahmed, who's uh, plays the grandmother who's oh a, I love her yeah so in the the link I just shared uh, the Sapan promo so she has a little uh, there's a little clip of hers in there as well so, so I'm going to share that, that. Hmm? yeah I'm going to share that also yeah I please do her. share that around that's just a little promo that we made you know like talk to a whole lot of people about this narrative change the need why South Asia why friendly relations in South Asia why why should South Asia be like EU or or like in uh, like Canada America, why you know why 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 is it like North and South Korea? Is that what we're aspiring to be? You know. So Nana, um, I'd like to I like you to add a little bit about your narrative, if you will. Um, I'm sorry we skipped over you, but I, I, I would love to hear it. You know, mine. Uh, I I really uh, don't know uh, why it was like this, but my both my parents, like maybe they were in survival mode. They were, they were pretty busy. And with my mom being a working woman, she would come home. Her priority was my homework, not for me to connect with my roots. I've been going to um, uh, the Julelal Mandir in uh, Ulhasnagar from Bombay um, pretty much every year. But other than that, I don't think she did anything specific to teach me anything about Sindhi. It was like, learn English, do your math, get good marks in history, geography, and, you know, keep that up. And that was it. So, um, my, the, like I said, the only person who uh, spoke about Sindhi spoke about the sand, about the henna, about so many small, small things that I don't remember unless I read. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I've, I've heard this. So, um, was my eldest, Chacha, and... Uh, so, and I think I am influenced by him in many ways. And he, uh, I can't say he was very progressive. He was 13 years old when he came. And he was scared. He was petrified that the ship would sink. It was like, it's a building on water. How is the building floating on water? You know, he was so naive. And when he came here, uh, I remember this clearly now because Saz asked me why did he not ask if compensation was a receipt. It seems uh, I came from school one day and I read in some history book that uh, everybody got compensation for the land they left. And uh, I came home and I asked him, did you get compensation? He said, I don't know. And then Saz was, you know, he, she was trying to figure out what, so that because she wanted to write the narrative. And I said, uh, you know, I, there are many things I can think of. One is that probably because it was pretty nominal that he didn't understand if it was like a big thing he didn't remember. Second, he was so busy working. He was the eldest son in the family. I He he retired when I was born, like maybe a year. And, you know, he came to stay with us and he took care of me when my, both my parents were working. So, uh, but he had... You know, he used slang, like how Geet mentioned. 
so i the only thing i have heard us like slight slangs about the other culture but other than that i have always been taught that love comes first and love will win my best friend is a muslim like i've known her since ages and it's a coincidence that my husband's best friend is also a muslim and we both know what it means to our families my mom uh, a little digress but when i was in connecticut before we moved to maryland i didn't find a single indian there and i was okay with that because for me just that if i can speak in hindi with someone i'm happy and connecticut has a very uh, less this south asian uh, population at least it was 6 years back but i made a lot of pakistani and bangladeshi friends and you know after half an hour of talking to them i completely forgot they were pakistanis or bangladeshis or uh, whatever it it didn't matter after that first half an hour that awkwardness once it was gone and once we we realized we're in the same boat hmm it was it was it was it didn't but my i told my mom once that you know they have arranged for some goat barai for me and things like that and she said sambhal ke rehna i said why and you know that is when it it struck me that though she's never said anything against anything anybody or any culture but it is there in her but luckily it didn't get uh, translated to me and now staying in america in this part over here i have a very good friend of mine her name is mariam i i i'm sure she listened to this uh she and because i know english uh fluently enough to speak with other uh, russians and other cultures um i i see this i see myself dif- slightly different from north indians and also south indians south indians are very hard working and they are uh they concentrate on their kids north indians i've seen mostly they are also very hard working and but they also concentrate on their kids and for me it is different because i'm like isko na culture rain mein dalna hai isko art karwana hai isko ye karwana hai i i end up with very few kids who will accompany me to go for these free events of uh art and craft but mariam takes and that is how i met her and that is how i realized there's so much similarity only difference is that she's a muslim i'm a hindu other than that we are so much alike oops oh sorry my roomba started ah where do i where do i go back to hindu and muslim only difference okay. so oh, the only difference between me and mariam is that she's a hindu and i uh, i'm a hindu and she's a muslim other than that i think she could be my soulmate like my soul friend or something uh, you know we are so much alike so mm. <laughs> so um, this is where i am and uh, i i uh, and i think i'm becoming more spiritual with as i'm getting white hair so <laughs> i i really don't see any difference and i really pray i i have a poem on that too but i really pray that that just those few men you know like one of you mentioned just those few men decided something and so sorry can i just say something that sanana said something that i want to just like you know you talked about the you know your closeness to people who are not from your religion and this is kind of brings me to what you know geet was asking what is in there in common between the people that i come across you know the common humanity the realization that you know re- that your primary identity is not religion it's your humanity or whatever but you know i realized when i read this book the heart divided 
by Mumtaz Shah Jahan. It's a novel. It's a fictitious thing, and it's written by Mumtaz Shah Jahan, uh, who's from a prominent political family of Lahore. Amnam, you might have heard of that family, um, the Shah Jahans. Um, and and she, um, anyway. So she, it's a it's a novel about two sisters, primarily two sisters, and and two families, a Hindu and a Muslim family in Lahore pre-partition. and the discussions that happen and how they the, the changes that happen how one family becomes more congress one family becomes muslim league you know and one sister decides to stay with pakistan one sister decides to be with india so the heart the heart divided mm-hmm. but the realization that hit me that i had not thought about before i read this book which i read some years ago was like you were saying you know like the that camaraderie between the families Uh, between like you know you exchange sweets you you like live live like brothers and sisters or like close friends and you you like you said she's like your soulmate you know things like that but in that time particularly and maybe not so much now but that time particularly there was an aunt and my you i heard this from my da, from my grandparents also oh, we celebrated all the festivals together we shared our sweets and we sent mithai to their house and they sent vagara 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 fine yes but the unspoken thing was you do not marry into the other side yeah you do not marry and by the way that is not yes. just hindu and muslim <laughs> by the way by the way that is not just hindu and muslim that is caste that is it's a yep. caste and class thing it's yep. a yeah. caste and class thing we make it about religion but it's not how many women are killed in haryana because they go um, you know go with somebody who's not of their caste and how many men are killed because they go with somebody who's not of their caste yep. or class and and why is it called in india as being called quote unquote love jihad and it's a natural progression that as communities get close as they assimilate then those unwritten rules no longer matter and then people you know like because that's who you come into contact with in pakistan right now there's a big thing about forced conversions yeah. and yes that might and yes some of them certainly might be but a lot of it is simply access you are in school with so and so you working so and so there was this young there was this doctor she was in her 30s hindu woman uh, hindu female doctor and she married a muslim and there was a hangama and they said forced conversion and this and then there was a police case she was brought back he was brought back and she said bhai i want to marry this guy this is the guy i want and then they interviewed her yeah it's yeah. a love marriage this was in pakistan yeah. this was in pakistan but you know but there and there are but but what i'm saying is that it happens as there is access as there is greater assimilation between the communities romantic relationships will form hmm. and so the, that that unspoken dividing line gets blurred and 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 it threatens it causes uh, the people who are threatened they want to keep that those racial ethnic caste class borders they divides they want to keep those those lines clear those lines are getting blurred and you know these people need to know that you know they're on the wrong side of history this is going to this will change you're seeing this yeah. in america you're seeing this yeah you're you know? seeing it here yeah. okay. so this is and because they are so threatened then they are then they do everything they can to stop it and they resort to violence where they even if it comes to killing their own children hmm Um, yeah, I want to say something um, that we don't even realize how intertwined we are, even though we lived in separate countries. That you know, uh, Geet was talking about. I went to her uh, in New York. I went to her cousin's Sangeet, 
And then I saw all these Hindus going crazy, dancing. Ali da pehla number, Ali dum dum de under. I don't even realize what they're dancing to. And the same thing with us. Like there are so many customs we have that have nothing to do with Islam. You know, that are that is our culture. Like when in Punjab, when the new uh, bride comes into the house, we used to pour oil at the threshold before she steps foot in the house. Yeah, so it brings... Gujarati break a coconut. You know? Yeah. Gujarati. But, so, but what I want to... Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say this one thing, that just because they are not Islamic doesn't make them anti-Islamic. Hmm. Right. I just want to make this very important point. And also, it's because this is our culture. We're not Arabs. We're South Asians. Yeah. Uh, you that's, know, that's, right. Why, like, that's Sammy, right. I've, I've started to call myself South Asian. Yeah. Yeah. That's who I am. And that's okay. why we still yeah. say Khud Office. Okay, stop it. <laughs> 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 For Sunana, who doesn't know that, there's this big uh, Arabization of... No, there's this big Arab, Arabization of like um, Urdu that's happening in Pakistan, where they're turning things that are... Actually, in India also, by the way, in India also, in India also yeah, because yeah, all yeah. the Muslims have to prove they're Islami. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're I trying think this to is like, happening pretty much anywhere. Everywhere Islam is yeah, right yeah. outside well, of like the is, Arab countries. Yeah. South Asian Muslims yeah. for sure. I can't yeah. speak for everybody, so you're saying it's yeah, everyone. Yeah. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. they're changing it from like Khudafis is the way that everybody used to say goodbye. And while I was still there, and very soon after I left Pakistan, it started to change to Allahfis, and I was like, what is this Allahfis? This yeah. this it doesn't is very exist. Weird. Allahfiz doesn't even exist in Saudi Arabia. They and don't all, of the, all of the Pakistanis or Indian Muslims that are here referring to Ramzan as Ramadan, which to me is hilarious because we have a Z, <laughs> right? We have the letter right. Z and Arabi people don't have the letter Z, so they pronounce it duh, D-H. Right. And so they now Indians and Pakistanis have started calling it Ramadan. And I'm looking at them like you're a moron because, because... that's been brought in by the corporate culture, Keith, because you had yeah. the one that you know, had the KFCs and the Pizza Huts and the McDonald's and all. And they started doing in, in because they were advertising in English and in English because they get it because their corporations and that they're all over the Middle East and in the, they were there in the Middle East and the Middle East is really big on all these you know chains. So they, in English, it's Ramadan, right? But mm. in Urdu, in Urdu, in the Urdu script, it is still written Ramzan. Ramzan, but it's not pronounced Ramzan. No, that's why yeah. it's funny. No, no, it's pronounced. When you're reading it Roman Urdu, script, yeah. we wrote it with a Z. Yeah. It was Ramzan. Yes, that's right. Ramzan, it's exactly. Sunana so, yeah. uh, might know anyway. this. Sunana, do we have a Z in Hindi? We do, but you know what, fun, what the funny thing about this Ramadan thing is, in my community, there's a clubhouse, and that had a Eid party or something. And they had written it Ramadan. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Here they do. In America, it's all Ramadan because they get it from the Arabs. So they get Ramadan. But but it's funny about the Z because you call the the spice, you call it Jira. And Mr. Jinnah, you call Zinnah. Yeah, <laughs> no, and we also call there. And then there's a there's a weird way in in Zevar jo kehte hain na Zevar kehte hain, lekin Javeri Bazaar kehte hain. It's Javeri bro, and it's funny if you look at it's slightly fundamental in India too. Uh, very fundamentally, Hindu people don't like pronouncing the Z. I've also noticed that, which yeah. is probably the unsaid yeah. thing, but oh. they don't like pronouncing the letter Z, so they'll purposely call it like Javeri in. Oh. Things like that. It's very funny. I mean, so I think it's a dialect thing. Like, see, the thing is, like initially, Veena said, uh, let me know if you can't understand Urdu. 
आई एम अ मुंबई कर मेरे को गुजराती भी आती मुझे हिंदी भी आती मुझे मराठी भी आती मुझे फर्क भी नहीं पता लाइक आई नो द डिफरेंस बिटवीन मराठी एंड गुजराती बट हिंदी उर्दू इट इज ऑल गुड टू मी आई आई कैन अंडरस्टैंड एवरीथिंग इनफैक्ट इफ आई पे अटेंशन टू सम तमिलियन स्पीकिंग लाइक इफ आई रियली फोकस आई आई माइट अंडरस्टैंड द कॉन्टेक्स्ट सो सो सुनैना इन क्लोजिंग वीड लाइक टू हैव यू रीड वन ऑफ योर लवली पोएम्स इट्स या आई आई हैव माय सेकंड लास्ट पोएम व्हिच इज परफेक्ट एंड इट्स अ गुड वे टू एंड सो इट्स अ वेरी शॉर्ट पोएम मोस्ट ऑफ माय पोएम्स आर लाइक वन वन थ्री फोर लाइंस ईच इट स्टार्ट विद द पोएम व्हेन आई टोल्ड माय सन अबाउट द इंडिया पाकिस्तान फाइट ही आस्क्ड मी हु वन who won wow. and i the my son is 6 and 1/2 years old and what what's the beauty in it is that his question was so genuine he really wanted to know who won the fight he's he's a 6 and 1/2 year old he for him if it's if somebody's fighting somebody has to win and like sweetheart i i i that that question again you know it stirred something in me and i i i quickly wrote it down and i told saz you know that this is a new poem and i i wanted to go in the end and it i i really want to finish this book on the note that who won no we we have all lost hmm hmm beautiful beautiful poem beautiful thank you thank you we hope you enjoyed today's episode please visit our website at orate.com if you'd like to purchase sonena's book or if you'd like to learn more about the South Asia Peace Action Network follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at 3orate to stay updated on our work thanks for tuning in until next time